The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please go to www.folfcrc.com. This is a this is a big week. Did it feel like a big week? A big week for many of us. I don't know about you, but there was a there's two levels of that to me. There's personal things that were that were big, uh, and there were national things that were big. Um, Anybody else feeling a little emotionally exhausted right now? Um, have you, you know, big week for our nation. Did you feel that controversy wanting to dominate your mind and your heart constantly? Constantly? If you weren't on like an internet argument, you were just arguing in your mind. Um, some of us today are deeply, some of us today, let's be honest, are deeply discouraged this week. And I want you to know that you are welcome here. And some of us today are more pleased and more hopeful this week, politically, and you're welcome here too. And some of us, we don't know what's going on. We're waiting to see what happens, okay? You're welcome here too. Look, can we be like the one place where everybody's welcome? We can do that because, and this is what I'm getting to here, we have something here that we're celebrating today that's bigger than the things that happened this week. It's bigger. It's bigger. Maybe, maybe what was happening for you this week, it was less a political thing. It was more your personal life. Uh, there's everything on that gamut, right, from like huge news that just is backbreaking to just relational stuff that hurts, challenges in your life. But they can grab your mind too, can't they? Grab your heart, grab your attention. Look at me. This is the biggest thing. You know, remember today, no. What we're going to celebrate here today actually this is the biggest. This is the biggest. And so what I want to try to do, I think what this text wants to do, is kind of put a lasso around your mind and your heart and just give it a yank and just be like, and, and to get your attention to look at what's biggest of all, what's most important of all. So we're going to baptize two precious little guys today. What an honor. What a treat. At Fountain of Life, we believe the Bible teaches us that our children are included in God's covenant with us. They start in the family. And so we give them the sign of belonging. That's baptism. The sign of baptism, the water signifies the death of Christ. The drying off signifies the new life in Christ. And it marks us who we are. We belong to him. I suppose uh, a skeptic or someone could say, all right, listen, the kids are cute. Some of their dads are wearing suits for the first time in like eight years. <laughs> you can say, hey, that's nice, but how can you say it's bigger? If you, a skeptic could say, hey, it feels like a kindergarten graduation. We're glad to be here, but how is it bigger? I want to, I mean this, it's big, what we're celebrating today is bigger. I want to give you two quick reasons. Number one, it's eternal. It's eternal. Do you know how many nations, leaders, political programs have come and gone while Christians are celebrating baptism in Christ? Johnny, come, lately's. This lasts forever. This lasts forever. About a million years from now, I'm going to be singing with a lot of you about how awesome Jesus is. And then maybe when we grab a cup of that beautiful heavenly, Amer or heavenly uh, coffee, because it will be there, right? It has to be. Um, we'll be like, remember that America thing? That was interesting. This is bigger. Not only is it, 
it's, it's bigger because it's eternal. It's bigger because the power of what we're celebrating here brings a fundamental change so great that the greatest politician could only dream about it. Only dream about it. The change that we're going to see that's possible in this chapter is so much deeper and so much greater. The, the greatest strategies from the greatest whoever's anywhere cannot compare to this. So before we baptize these little guys, I want to remember with you a little bit, just a little bit, about the power of our baptism. I wanted to let it echo to us. If you're a Christian, this is yours. Remember, you know, all this temptation is to get your head and your heart wrapped around this other stuff. It's fine, it's important, be there, be present, but remember what's biggest. We're gonna remember what's biggest today. And if you're not a Christian and you're like, you know what, that actually sounds pretty good, please, by all means, join us. It's for you, it's for anyone who wants it. So I wanna see and celebrate three things from Romans chapter six, uh, just to make it real easy to follow through, we're just gonna look at it like this, what baptism does to us, to us, what it does to us. Second, what baptism does for us. Third, what baptism asks from us. To us, for us, from us. So let's start in Romans six, verse one. Paul asks a huge question here. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? Now what's that question mean? Well, if you, hear the, if you hear the promises of what Jesus said, right, what's he gonna do for you? I'll forgive all your sins. What do you have to do to get that? Climb a mountain, wear special clothes? Nope. Trust him. And he gives it to you freely, right? Isn't that what, that was what makes our world go around. Um, you can be right with God. What do you have to do to, to get that? Nothing, because he did it. It's free, it's a gift, it's, it's just here, good news, you can be forgiven, right, with God, adopted as a child, just by faith. It's free. And so then you might say, so is this kind of like a have your cake and eat it too kind of a thing? Uh, I got my get out of hell free card. I can just play it when I need it. Uh, and then I can just live however I want and just know it's cool. Is that how this is? Can we continue in sin so that grace may abound. You could, you could think it would go that way. Now, isn't that tempting to some of you? Uh, come on, it's tempting. It's tempting to me. Oh, sweet. I don't have to worry about all the stuff God seems to say no to and yes to and all that. But, but do you really want this? Uh, think about this. What's the greatest attack the world at large has to say about Christians? You're a bunch of hypocrites. That's what this verse is. Hey, can't you be a hypocrite? You can say one thing. Oh, I believe this. I love it. Live another. How many of you, um, you, you, you're okay with some excuses for your own hypocrisy, but you're quick to see it in others. That's me, right? I got a hypocrisy radar. Burp, burp, burp. I can find it. I can find it in you so quick. I know you can find it in me real quick, too. It's a little blind when it swings around this way, you know, but then it's on again. Romans 6, one. do we want to be hypocrites? Does, does Christianity leave it to where um, nothing changes in your life? That's the question. And Paul's answer to that is, verse two, no way, by no means, it's absolutely impossible. It's not real Christianity. That's, there's no way. Of course Christianity is gonna change you. But what I wanna show you here is how radical his reason is. Why? Why does it, why can Christianity, Christianity 
busted change you? Look at verse two. What happened to you? How can we who what? Come on, see it with me. Verse two. By no means. How can we who what? Died. What happened? You died. That, is that weird to you? Because you don't, I mean, some of you look better than others, but none of you look, <laughs> none of you look dead. Some of you look like you're about to fall asleep, but not dead. How can we who died, or, or what else? Um, verse four, what happened, what else happened to us? We were buried. Really? We were buried with him by baptism into death. What, what is he talking about? Let's, I want to show you what he's talking about in verse five. For if we have been, what? United with him. United with him. This is the key to change. It's the key to change. What's united mean? Um, connected. Put together. Really, that's what baptism means, too. Baptism is immersed, but, you know, what do you, what do you like to immerse things in? I always go back to the strawberry and the chocolate. Put that... You know, you don't, just, you don't just get a little drop of chocolate. You shove it all the way down. Get it up to where it's on your fingers, too. You put that strawberry way down in there. You unite it. You get it, you get it close. This is, the, this is the radical truth Christianity is offering. United with him. Who do you think the him is? Jesus. Jesus. Who is he? He's eternally the son of God. He created everything by the word of his power. Everything's beautiful, complex, mysterious, amazing. He made it. He upholds everything. He's upholding you right now. His power, his majesty is just unimaginable. Not only that, he took on flesh and he's the greatest human being to ever live. To ever live. Highest moral standard to, to ever teach. The, the, the highest combination of courage and love the human history has ever seen ever seen. There's no one like him. So good, so kind, so loving, so strong. And you know, other religions, right, they got plenty of teachers. Hey, do stuff. Does Jesus teach you? Sure, sure, he teaches you. They got plenty of leaders. Hey, let me, let me show you the way. Does Jesus lead you? Sure. Plenty of, plenty of advice given everywhere. Jesus doesn't just lead you or teach you or forgive you. He unites himself to you connects himself to you. If you're a Christian, you've been so deeply connected to Jesus. One with him. Do you see how that's amazing? And if you're just like ready to float on by this, like you're just not seeing who Jesus is and what this means. This is outstanding. This is incredible to be united with Christ. And that means his past is your past and his future is your future. That's what Paul's saying. Why is it that you died and were buried? Because you died with him on the cross. And that old life of rebellion and selfishness died with him. And when he rose, Paul's talking about, you'll rise too. His past is yours. His future is yours. His future is yours. So when he comes in to renew all creation, you're gonna share that with him. You're gonna rise like he rises, it says in these verses. The reason, you, the reason you have to change as a Christian is because you are yourself changed. 
It's not like here's 10, here's 10 rules, try to follow them, be a nicer person. It's not that at all. It's here, here's Jesus with you, connected to you, and his life is now your life. You're transformed. We change because we are changed. Look what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. I've been what? I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. Something's fundamentally different. But Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. Look, if anything in Christianity is true, if Jesus is who Christianity says he is, than to be united to him like this and to have his life in your life and your life in his life, this is the biggest thing there is, period, ever. This is it. Are you enjoying that? Do you remember that? Christ is your life. He's not just, he's not just teaching you from a distance, not just forgiving you from a distance. He's given you himself. Shouldn't that dominate our minds, our hearts, our attitudes? I'm different. I'm in Christ. It's the greatest thing. Baptism's powerful because it unites us to Jesus. That's what we're celebrating today. We're united to Christ by grace through faith. He's ours. That's what baptism does for us. Let's see what it does. Or that's what it does to us. Let's see what it does for us. Look at verse six. We know that our old self was crucified to him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So what was that phrase? Enslaved. Radical claim here, big claim. What is Paul saying about everybody? Slaves to sin. Now what does your mind go to? You're probably thinking about new world slavery, right? What's that based on? It's based on race, right? It's lifelong. Let me just tell you that's not the slavery these folks were thinking about. It's not, it's, not the same, it's not the same thing at all. Uh, the thing this audience is probably thinking about is more like indentured servanthood. You heard of that idea? So here, here's the concept. Um, my life's hopeless. I've run out of money. I can't provide for anything. I don't know what to do. And so sometimes my last option would be I would offer myself, I would present myself to someone to be their, their servant for five years, 10 years, whatever it takes for me to get out of the mess I'm in. So they're going to deliver me by letting me be their servant. So it was an old school bankruptcy help or something. So you present yourself to this master for your deliverance. Does that make sense? But actually, you, you you looked for it. You chose it. You needed it. You wanted it. You presented yourself to a master. That is what Paul is thinking about here. Look at Romans 6.16. It's on the slide. Romans 6, 16, don't you know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, your slaves are the one of you who obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. But they're thinking, they're thinking about presenting themselves to someone, okay? So do you think that plays with sin? Do you think that works? Is it true? Are you, when you sin, are you like that, that hopeless person who's needing, to, needing a master to serve to find your deliverance. You know, sometimes we think of sin as just like, you know, the bat, you, you broke a rule on accident, and that's what God's thinking about. No, it's actually more like this. There's a false God, 
and you're running to him and you're saying, I need you to get me out of my problem. I need you to live. And so then you're gonna serve it. Can you think of any examples of this? How about money? Can money be a master? Okay. I, I need it. I need money. So, so a, wor- a workaholic, who knows what they're after? Um, they're after security. I gotta have more in the bank. I gotta have more in the bank because they think if they have enough in the bank, they'll have security finally. They'll have peace. And so don't they present themselves to that master every day. I gotta serve I gotta serve my master of security through money every day, and don't they become a slave? Workaholic, 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 workaholic. This is the human condition. Uh, What about somebody who just needs affection um, in a relationship? I need affection, so I'm constantly gonna be, I have to be with one, I have to to please them, so I can can be loved by somebody else, and uh, can't you become a slave? in an abusive relationship, you ever know anybody like that? This relationship's terrible, we all see it, but they just keep going, 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 why? It's almost like they're a slave. Well, they're not in change, but, but they need, they feel like they need something, they're presenting themselves to a master. This will play this week, I didn't know where to go here on Baptism Sunday, but we're celebrating freedom from slavery. Can politics be a slave? Are you kidding me? Okay. If I get the leader I need, everything will be perfect. If this leader's in charge, everything will be wrong. This is it, this is all our hope, our only hope right here. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my, only, you're my only hope. And we present ourselves as slaves to this master. And you know how you wanna find your idolatries? Your emotions will show you. Something hard happens, it's okay to be angry, to be upset. But what's going on when we see the rage? What's going on when we see the rage? When you're outraged and, you, and stuff starts flying out your mouth and out your fingers, right? Somebody pricked your idolatry. You put all your hope right here and you didn't see it coming right for you. And so it just, it flings. I mean, as a Christian, I'm concerned by both sides flinging um, universal statements at one another. I'm so tired of it. All, you know, however we want to call each other, all liberals are whatever, and it's negative. If you ever said that, you just blasphemed like brothers and sisters in Christ. Plus, it's not true. And on the other side, all people, what do you want to call them, conservatives, they're all whatever they are. Are you kidding me? Do you have friends who think differently than you at all, one or two? They're not all anything. But when, what's going on here? I sold myself to this master of this ideology being everything in life. And if you try to take that from me, ha, ah, we can make families our gods. This is the human condition. This is, this is why the world is a mess. We present ourselves to gods that are not gods. And they become our masters and we become their slaves. Why did Jesus die? Our old self was crucified with him. He died so that we'd die with him to what? To those false gods, to those false masters, so that we'd die to it with him and say, I don't even need that anymore. That doesn't define me anymore. It's not ultimate anymore. Now, should we still be involved in politics and relationships and family and business and money? Yeah, of course, but not because they own us, because he owns us. And he shows us how to do this. 
Jesus died to set you free from slavery to false gods, to bad masters. That's what he does for us. And this is the change that everybody's looking for that no one can find, only Jesus can do. He can set you free. Because see, we have a new master. That's what verses eight to 11 are about. We have a new master. He ended sin and death for me. He, he, lives, he lives to God perfectly, and now I can too. I can too. Life is all about finding what you're made for. You are made to know and enjoy the God of heaven and earth who saved you through Jesus Christ, and Jesus sets you free to do that. Sets you free to enjoy being his child. And you're no longer enslaved to anything in this world because you're free for him. That's what we're celebrating today, and there's nothing bigger than that. Baptism unites us to Jesus and it sets us free from slavery to live as children of God. And now it gives a call to us, the greatest call. It asks for something from us. Look at verse 11. So you must consider yourselves, what? What, if you trust in Christ, how should you, how should you see yourself? Verse 11, you also must consider yourselves, say it with me if you're there, dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's real interesting because in verse two, he said the reason we change is because you already are dead to sin. Did you see that? You have died, you were buried, we're dead. It already happened to you, it's finished, it's perfect, you're connected to Christ, you're already dead. So how should we see ourselves in verse 11? You should consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God. You should see yourself as you already are. You should remember what happened to you. How many of you, that's your biggest problem in the Christian life? You pretty much know everything. You've been to every sermon since 1983. You, you, you know the catechisms. You've heard, you, you could give a lesson to all of us on Christian doctrine. So many of you in here, you, you know so much. You could, I haven't told you anything new in like eight years. Do you remember it? Do you, and not, not just memory, like I forgot his phone number. Like, do you treasure it moment by moment? You forget who you are in Christ. That's your problem. Me too. You forget. You forget that you have a totally new identity, child of God in Jesus Christ, saved by grace through faith. And you forget all these things that start to grab your mind when they want to own you. They're counterfeit gods. And we, we go back into slavery. I heard somebody say once, it's easier to take the slave out of slavery than the slavery out of the slave. Easier to take the slave out of slavery than the slavery out of the slave. He's saying, remember who you are. You're dead to sin. What if you saw yourself like that? When somebody wants to own your ultimate affection, your ultimate allegiance, you feel the rage or the anxiety or the, you want to serve this thing. And what if you remembered? You know what? I can do this differently. I belong to Christ. My old life's dead in him. My new life is found in him. He's everything to me. I can do this differently. I belong to him. See yourself as you are, he's saying in verse 11. Not only that, be who you are. Look at verses 12 to 13. Because you're dead to sin, verse 12, let not sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Don't present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life. 
He's saying, put up a fight, be who you are. So what, what counts in our lives when it comes to like members of our body? Your members of your body. It's your fingers and your eyes and your mind and your emotions and your relationships. Isn't he saying present every single part of who you are to your God all the time? Isn't that what he's saying? Is that true when you're feeling anxious? Is it true when you're feeling bitter? Is it true in unforgiveness? What about self-righteousness? Is there any room in the Christian heart, or should there be, for self-righteousness? I'm better than you because I. When you do that, you're preaching a false gospel. Hey, people have value if they believe the right things politically. Is that the gospel you're saved by? Your words, what about what we say to people? You're everything. That's baptism's call to us. Because you are new in Christ, you have a new identity united to Christ. You have been set free from slavery to false gods, false masters, to live for God as his child. That's what you're made for. That's where joy is. That's where peace is. So now, because of who you are in Christ and what you've been set free from, here's the call. Be who you are. Remember who you are. Celebrate who you are. Live like you are who you are. And you can do this because of verse 14. Sin will have no dominion over you. Why? You could expect him to say, sin will have no dominion over you because now you always follow the rules. That's not what he says. Sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under what? Law. What's law? That's the standard you can't keep. Um, the fountain of life, uh, we know we all have to struggle with a horrible disease called good personism. Have you heard it? Good personism. I'm a good person. Okay? And when we do that, we, we're making a standard. Oh, where'd you get this idea of good? You, you got a standard somewhere. Good. And where'd you find it? Have you met my neighbor, Bill? He's awful, and I'm not like that, therefore, I'm good. Wrong standard. What if you just use your own standard, if you judge yourself by your own standard? How many of you have been so angry because somebody said something nasty about you and you found out about it? Well, I'm the only one, cool. <laughs> cool. And how many of you have ever said a nasty thing about somebody? Come on. Okay, if, if it was all out there, you haven't kept your own standard. I defy anyone to say that you have. I remember being at a party once, and I was talking to uh, this dude and his ex-wife, and they're still friendly, but they had, they, they were telling me about it, nothing was hidden. They had had a really nasty divorce. And we started talking about religion for some reason, and, um, and he started talking about how he was such a good person. And it was so interesting because his ex-wife was right next to him. And he was just like, I'm a good person. I don't need forgiveness. I don't need anything. And then I'd look at her and she'd just be like. <laughs> I mean, it was all, it was out all on the table. It's like the list of everything he's done was standing right next to him. I'm fine. I'm a good person. And the list is just, okay. It's me and you. It's me and you. And we haven't even taken into account God's law. God's law, Okay. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Every time. Um, no other gods before me. And then love your neighbor as you love yourself. Okay? Strike one, strike two, strike three. If I was under law, I'd get condemned. That's what we're doing in the culture all around us. Aren't we condemning people? You stink. Why? Because you haven't followed my law. There's a liberal law. There's a conservative law. There's a this law and a that law. And if you don't follow it, I'll condemn you. You're under law. And if God treated us like that, we would go to hell. But in Christ, we're not under law because we died with Christ. He He fulfilled the law. He kept the law. He perfected the law. He's perfect in the sight of his Father. And in Christ, we're not under law anymore. I'm out from under it. I died with Jesus. I'm not condemned anymore. I'm not under law. I'm under what? Did you see that great word? Grace. What is grace? Undeserved. Love. That first word's really important. What was it? Undeserved. Love. I'm under grace. I don't deserve God's love. The law shows me how much I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But Christ has loved me so deeply. And he lived for me. He died for me. He rose for me. He's connected me to himself. And now I'm not even under a law anymore. God doesn't look at me with condemnation. He looks at me with love and grace. And that's why sin doesn't own me anymore. Because I'm loved. I can change because I'm loved. I'm loved as I am right now, and that's why I can become different. And it's the greatest news in all the universe, and it's the biggest news in all the universe, and that's what we're celebrating today. That's what brings us into God's family. We're not under law, but we're under grace. So do you see what to celebrate? It's big. It's bigger than anything. We're united to Jesus Christ. Wow. We're set free from our slavery to false gods and sin. Wow. And we are called to be who we are in him, not under law, but under grace. Part of that calling is teaching it and showing it to our children. So if somebody wants to go rustle up the mamas and their babies now, I know they're enduring the sermon with their babies. We could get them ready. But part of what we do here is teaching, teaching it and showing it to our children. So we're giving them the sign of baptism. So what is this? Anybody see this? It's a wedding ring. You knew that. Um, is this my marriage? No. But what does it show? I'm married. Same thing up here with the water, okay? This water is not the baptism. I jokingly went by some wonderful ladies on the way up here and said, could you make the water holy, please? And they were like, oh, you know, and now the water will give the child good luck. No, we don't believe any of that junk. Okay? It's, a, it's a symbol, like this wedding ring. It's a sign. But the water is very symbolic. Water is death in the Bible. Rising again, drawing off his life. What did we see in this passage? The real baptism, what happens to our hearts. We're united to Christ, and so we die with him. We were buried. And then as he was raised, we rise to newness of life now and resurrection later. So baptism is, is, is a sign of that. And we believe here at Fountain of Life that God in his grace says we get to include our children in that sign. They start in. 
They start in. And so these families are saying as they baptize today, we believe this mess about Jesus. We believe this. This is who we are. And then they're also saying, we're gonna raise our children in this. We're gonna show them this. They're gonna learn who Jesus is and what he's done like they learn English, like they learn culture, like they go to school. They're gonna learn Jesus. We're gonna mark them. They belong to him. So that's what we're celebrating it's the biggest thing on earth. I'm gonna pray, and then I'm going to invite, I'm gonna invite the Bransmans up, and we'll, uh, we'll baptize Ryan, and then you'll all applaud really loudly. Does that sound good? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you've done so much for us in Christ. So much. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us be who we are, that we would see and remember again what it means to be united to your son, uh, dead to our old life in him, alive to new life in him. Lord, we, would, we pray that we would learn what it means to cast off those false masters, those false gods we sell ourselves to, to live only for you. Lord, you've set us free. And we pray that we'd really see our calling, Lord, and we would put this to practice. We'd be who we are. And we pray for these families right now. Lord, that as they give the sign of your covenant to these little boys, Lord, that it would be a marker in their lives to say, we trust Christ and we're gonna show our boys to do the same. And that as we look up years and years later, we would see these young boys grown into men of God who love you, who trust you, because they live by your grace. We pray this together. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen.